0: Everyone and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.fm Internet Radio. Alright, here we are, another week in January 2020. It is today is January 12th, 2020 edition of the Consumer Review Report. And uh, we, if you have never heard us on the show before. Uh, we deal with consumer issues. We deal with consumer news, consumer recalls, consumer reviews, anything related to consumer issues. And if you have any ideas of any sh- products or services that you would like to hear on the show, you can get in touch with me via email at consumerreviewreport@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. <clears throat> also, uh, if you have a product or service that you would like to rave about, uh, or maybe the product or service didn't treat you as well as you expected, you can also email me at Consumer Review Report at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. All right, so, coming up on the show, it's coming up on that time, yes, already, when kids graduating from high school this year will be looking into colleges to attend and looking into ways to relieve their financial burden of going to college. So, this week... I'll be talking about scholarship scams and how to avoid them. I'll also air audio that talks about legitimate scholarship programs and how to apply for those. Also coming up on the consumer news portion of the show, there's some Wall Street Journal articles that was of interest this week. Uh, articles on Verizon and the fact that they're planning to drop bundles. CBD and the FDA, Uh, also an article on plant-based meat makers, want to add pork to the menu. Uh, You've heard me talk about Impossible Burger and the burgers. Now they want to get into pork. And then SONO sues Google. And you'll want to know who SONO and why are they suing Google. So that's coming up on the Consumer News uh, portion of the show. This is all coming up after the weekly recalls. Now, I have been posting the recalls as they come up during the week on my Facebook page. Uh, again, I'm on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and I've been, as the recall recalls have been showing up, I've been posting them on the Facebook page. but now <clears throat> we will go over them. In case you d- you missed them on the Facebook page, we'll go over them. And, um, <clears throat> you know, if you're concerned about any products that uh, come up on the recall list, you can go to www.recalls.gov and click on the link that concerns you, and it'll tell you what you should do with your recalled product. And it'll tell you what websites to visit, what phone numbers to call, etc., etc. So... Let's get to the recalls. All right, so we have three consumer products this week. We have, um, let's see here. I thought I had this all set up, but um, here we go. Boston Warehouse Trading Corporation recalls holiday travel mugs due to fire hazard. These are sold exclusively at Meyer stores. The mugs are mislabeled as microwave-safe. And if microwaved, the metallic print on the mug can spark, posing a fire hazard. Um, the SARS Global Marketing recalls tricycles due to violation of the federal lead paint ban. Risk of poisoning sold exclusively at Amazon.com. Paint on the canopy's frame contains levels of lead that exceed the federal lead paint ban, and tricycle components contain levels of lead that exceed the federal lead content ban. Lead is toxic if ingested by young children and can cause adverse health issues. Also, the recalls that I have posted on uh, my Facebook page There are pictures as well, so you can look at the pictures and see if that's something that you have. Last one on the consumer product list, Libby Glass recalls milk bottles due to laceration hazard. The bottles can break unexpectedly during use, posing a laceration hazard. All right, on to the Food and Drug Administration recall and safety alert. I believe we have seven or nine, nine of them I think. So let's get to Purely Elizabeth. That's the first one. All right. Purely Elizabeth recalls pouches of chocolate sea salt probiotic granola recall due to mislabeling error that has resulted in an undeclared allergen. Now they're initiating a voluntary recall of their chocolate sea salt probiotic granola. And again, it's because of a mislabeling error that was resulted in an undeclared allergen, which was walnuts. So that wouldn't be good for somebody who's allergic to walnuts. Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams issues voluntary recall of cold brew with coconut cream. Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams has initiated a voluntary recall of three batches of cold brew with coconut cream non-dairy frozen dessert pints because they may contain an undeclared milk allergen. Uh, okay, so we have another renitidin recall, this one from Apco Pharma. And as you know, um, that's because they have a carcinogen that can cause cancer. So they've been recalling all the renitidin products and this one is no different. Apco Pharma is uh, recalling. They're ranitidine hydrochloric capsules to the, con- to the consumer level. And they are being recalled, of course, because of the presence of NDMA. Uh, on to Lapari Foods. Issues recall of various wedge deli sandwiches due to potential contamination of listeria. Now, uh, they're recalling various primo and fresh grab wedge sandwiches. And again, due to the potential contamination of listeria. Uh, let's see here. We're, we've got Myelin initiates voluntary nationwide recall of Nazidine capsules. Now, Nazidine is also an antacid and it can treat ulcers and reflux, you know, acid reflux and conditions that cause too much stomach acid. So this is Nazidine, And um, they are, uh, this Myelin Pharmaceuticals is conducting a voluntary nationwide recall. Uh, but I don't know why. So they're just doing that recall, uh, I guess uh, to be cautious. They don't really say why. Okay. And then uh, Fresh Location announces product recall due to possible listeria. Again, another listeria contamination. Protein snack tray, 6.44 ounce total weight, packaged in a four-compartment plastic tray. And they list the UPC codes and lot date uh, dates. And they're also recalling protein trail mix, 3.52 ounce uh, total weight, packaged in a 10.5 ounce plastic tray so fresh location announces protein snack tray and protein trail mix they're recalling them due to possible listeria contamination (coughs) okay Denton Pharma is recalling more Renitidin tablets so there's another recall on the ranitidin and um, again because they contain NDMA which is a carcinogen known to cause cancer okay let's go to Terra Pharmaceuticals they are recalling uh, let's see if I could say this LAMOTROGEN. Lamotrin. no LAMOTROGEN. that's how you say <laughs> Lamotrigen which is an anti-convulsant, and it can treat seizures and bipolar disorder. So they're recalling this, um, and I don't think they're saying why. They're just, they just spell out which ones they're recalling. 100 milligram tablets and the lot number and expiration date June to 2021, and 100 count bottles. So they don't even say really why. And then we have one more on the recall list that is on our FSIS recall. FSIS is Food Safety Inspection Service. Culinary International LLC recalls chicken burrito products due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. So they are recalling approximately 626 pounds of egg burrito products Labeled as chicken burrito products due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. Alright, that will do it for our recall portion of the show. Now, we are on to the news. Alright, so as I told you, there were some items of interest, of course, in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, We have, uh, first up, it's called, well, actually, this was from the 10 January 2020 issue of Wall Street Journal, Verizon to Drop Bundles and ease changes to TV Packages by Sarah Krause. And boy, I've been waiting for this. I mean, I was like, you know, (laughs) me and my husband are not really into sports, so all those sports channels... Are just taking up space on our TV and we couldn't stand it. So maybe now, when they're making these changes, we don't have to put up with all these unwanted sports channels, right? Anyways, Verizon Communications Inc. is eliminating traditional cable bundles and the handcuffs that often came with them, making it easier for households to switch video packages in hopes they won't cut the cord entirely. The Telecommunications Company will allow Fios customers to select their home internet speed and television packages separately at preset rates rather than locking customers into one or two year contracts. Customers will be able to change either service monthly either service monthly if they wish. The changes do away with traditional bundle promotions that expire after a year or two often leaving customers with much heftier bills, for sure. Because then you call them up and you say, well, can't you get me a better deal? I don't want to pay this heftier bill. And they usually do. They usually accommodate, but you have to call them and beg on your hands and knees for them to, you know, lower the price. And who needs that one or two years every one or two years, right? So go back to the article, Under the new pricing plans, Verizon will sell three tiers of internet speeds ranging from $55 to $80 a month, including router costs. Customers can also bring their own router and save $15 on the two lower speed plans. There are several packages of cable TV channels starting at $50 a month, plus $12 per set-top box. The company will also sell the YouTube TV streaming service, which costs $50 a month. The new structure offers Verizon an opportunity to gain incremental revenue from a pay TV business that has suffered customer defections as more consumers have embraced streaming services such as Netflix and HBO or live TV streaming services, and they have chipped away (coughs) at cable TV's appeal. For sure. I added that in. That wasn't the article. (laughs) Verizon's new lowest cost TV plan will offer consumers an average of 125 channels, including five they identify as their favorites. The rest of the channels they receive will be based on those preferences and they can adjust their favorites each month. Verizon in 2015 began offering Fios TV packages that allowed customers to only buy clusters of channels they wanted to watch. Now, see, I did not know that. So I'm going to have to give them a call and figure out how we can rearrange our channels and what we watch. So there you go. All right. The next uh, article was also January 10th. 2020 in the Wall Street Journal, the Wall Street Journal issue. It was entitled Adding CBD to Food, Drink Was a Hot Trend Until FDA chimed in. This was written by Annie Gasparo. Big food and drink companies are slowing work on products containing CBD after regulators sounded a note of caution making space for smaller players to capture more of the budding market. The Food and Drug Administration told consumers in November that there isn't enough research to ensure CBD is safe to consume. It isn't clear the cannabis-derived compound helps curb anxiety, facilitates sleep, or conveys other benefits some producers and consumers ascribe to it, the agency said in an online post. Unlike THC, the compound in marijuana that imparts a high CBD isn't psychoactive. Still, the FDA said people should consider risks associated with it, such as liver damage. The FDA is concerned that people may mistakenly believe that trying CBD can't hurt. The message read, <clears throat> Some mainstream companies looking into drinks and snacks containing CBD are slowing that work. Companies must submit research on CBD's use in food to the FDA before it can be certified safe for consumption. Some CBD manufacturers have joined forces to conduct research to present to the FDA. Their group called ValidCare said it met with the FDA in November or December and is conducting a liver toxicity study with the University of Kentucky. The FDA has said it is considering whether to review CBD through the relatively shorter process for approving food additives and dietary supplements or a longer process for reviewing new drugs. Sales of foods and drinks containing CBD are rising even without FDA approval. The FDA in November also sent warning letters to 15 small companies producing and marketing CBD-infused products that it said violated federal regulations. That has spooked other small companies putting CBD into food and drinks. Getting the FDA's attention would be a major detriment to the company, said an executive at one startup selling CBD-led products so I know you see these signs everywhere CBD sold here CBD sold here I did not know that it could uh, it could affect your liver in a or damage your liver and so everybody's getting on the bandwagon again the same with the supplements everybody wants to take supplements but you have no idea what they're actually doing to your body right so the CBD was another fad and it might be you know, <clears throat> more hazardous to, to have them in food and drink than actually helping you. So that's what that article was trying to portray. Now, uh, on to the January 8th, 2020 Wall Street Journal article. Plant-based meat makers want to put pork on your fork by J- Jacob Bungie and Heather Haddon. So let's see why they want to get into pork. They're all done with the, they've perfected, I guess, the beef, and now it's time for pork. So, getting to the article. After biting into the U.S. burger business, plant-based food makers are targeting pork. Impossible Foods Inc. said Monday that it will introduce imitation ground pork and sausage, including a patty for a new sandwich at dozens of Burger King restaurants later this month. Rival Beyond Meat, Inc., last year, began supplying plant-based sausage to Dunkin' Brand Group, Inc., Carl's Jr., and Tim Horton restaurants, mainly for breakfast sandwiches. Oh, excuse me, I had a little cough there. <laughs> Impossible, Beyond, and other meat alternative developers say... Their products spare livestock and are better for the environment than meat because they require less grain, water, and fuel to produce. The companies first worked on beef because they said it is one of the most environmentally intensive meats to produce. Pork is the world's most widely consumed meat, according to the U.S. Agriculture Department. Wow, see, I'm straying from the article, but... I would have thought chicken was the most uh, consumed, but they're saying pork is. That's surprising. All right, back to the article. Plant-based food makers are also developing chicken and seafood alternatives. Meat-free burgers, sausage, and nuggets represent a fraction of overall meat consumptions, but their sales are growing much faster than those of traditional meat. The growth has drawn pushback from livestock producers. Farm groups have urged regulators to block the use of words like meat and pork to describe plant-based imitations, arguing that consumers could be misled about their contents. Impossible's pork alternative is made from soy, coconut oil, and starch, by the same processes used to make the Impossible Burger that is now sold in 17,000 restaurants. And I got to tell you, I have not tried one. And I don't plan to uh, for a while, I don't think. I, I can never say never. I was never saying never. And I know there was something that I had read that people were like tricking People like making impossible burgers and the people thinking they were regular burgers and then they said, Haha, you just ate an impossible burger. So I can't say I will never have an impossible burger because maybe somebody will do that to me and say, here's a burger and then say, ha ha, it was an impossible burger. <laughs> I don't know. So I can never say never. And I guess if I'm starving and that's the only thing available, yeah, I, I guess I would eat it. But under those circumstances, uh, anything other than those circumstances, probably not. All right. So then we go on to Suno Sue's Google. Now there was an article in the Wall Street Journal, January seventh, twenty twenty. It's entitled "Suno Sue's Google Alleging Theft of Speaker Technology." This was written by Seb- Sebastian Herrera and. uh And then there was another article that came out January 9th, 2020, still in the Wall Street Journal. Sonos tunes into TechLash, and that was written by Dan Gallagher, and we'll go over both of those articles at the same time. But let's hit... Sonos sues Google so we could get a background as to what is happening. Wireless speaker maker Sonos Inc. accused Alphabet Inc.'s Google in a lawsuit on Tuesday of stealing its technology and infringing on its patents, escalating tensions between the one's close partners. Sonos is seeking a ban on the sale of Google's speakers, smartphones, and laptops in the U.S., as well as financial compensation in a suit filed with the U.S. International Trade Commission and the U.S. District Court in Los Angeles. The relationship between the two companies, which had matched Sonos speakers with Google services, has soured as Google built a growing speaker business, challenging Sonos in its own industry. Google has been blatantly and knowingly copying our patent technology in creating its audio products, Sonos CEO Patrick Spence said in a statement Tuesday. While Google remains an important partner, the two parties haven't been able to find a solution, he added. A Google spokesman said the company disputes the claims by Sonos and is disappointed that Sonos brought these lawsuits instead of continuing negotiations in good faith. The suit claimed that Google gained knowledge as early as 2013 of Sonos' patented wireless multi-room technology, which allows a listener hear uh, music in different rooms through a partnership that integrated Google's music streaming system into Sonos Speakers. The suit also accuses Google of beginning to infringe on a Sonos patent in 2015 when it launched its first wireless audio product, Chromecast Audio, and has continued to infringe on other patents as it's launched more speaker products. Sonos owns more than 750 patents in the U.S. related to audio technology, the company said in the suit. After stealing its technology, the lawsuit alleged Google used its dominance to flood the market and expand its product offerings, which now include premium and mini editions of its Google Home speaker. These actions have caused significant damage to Sonos, the company said in its lawsuit. Sonos, which developed the market, has seen its market share shrink as Amazon.com and Google have become market leaders. Sonos said in the suit it first raised infringement claims with Google in August 2016 and has notified the company multiple times since on infringement violations. Google failed to respond adequately, Sonos said, and instead created more products using its technology. Now, the next article regarding this subject is like, how crazy is Sonos suing their once close partner? Are they crazy or maybe they have a chance? And here's the uh, second article. Sonos has a lot to lose in publicly challenging Google and Amazon.com, but on second glance, perhaps not as much as it seems. The maker of high-end wireless speakers sued Google in federal court on Tuesday, accusing the internet giant owned by Alphabet Inc. of infringing on its patents. It also filed a similar complaint with the International Trade Commission seeking an injunction against Google's devices such as its home smart speaker and even its Pixel smartphones. Google and Amazon have both denied the claims. Amazon wasn't named as a party in either complaint, but unnamed Sonos executives told the New York Times that they believe Amazon's Echo smart speakers are also infringing on its technology. Focusing on Google, they said, was to avoid battling two of the world's largest companies in court at the same time. But the article also noted that Sonos Chief Executive Patrick Spence has been in discussions to testify in Congress about his company's issues with both tech giants. At a glance, the move seems like madness. Sonos is tiny compared with the two internet giants. Amazon and Alphabet each spend more just on sales and marketing expenses every month than Sonos generates in revenue For a full year. Moreover, Sonos relies on both companies' voice platforms to keep its products competitive in a world where consumers now want their speakers to take commands and talk back. The first Amazon Echo that launched widely in 2015 proved popular enough to crimp sales of Sonos speakers that year, even given the latter's undisputed advantage in quality but Sonos might be on the right side of the trend this time. Public sentiment has soured greatly against big tech over the past year, and official scrutiny has sharpened. Lawmakers and regulators across the globe are closely examining Google and Amazon, as well as Facebook, for antitrust violations. That alone could limit any retaliatory actions against Sonos as any such move would be seen as confirming the company's gripes about the tech platform's outsized power. The company recently acquired a private-by-design voice platform to develop for future products. It also has launched new devices in recent months that don't include Google's and Amazon's voice assistants, which suggests a growing distaste among consumers to put big tech ears in their homes. Now Sonos just needs to get the right people listening in. All right. So <laughs> there you have it for the consumer news that uh segment of our show. Let us move on to the main event, which is scholarship scams against college. Let's uh take a listen. As to, what, as to what is going on uh, with these scams. Uh, how are they scamming these college kids? So let's take a listen.
1: Time now for Eyewitness News, call 12 for action. A consumer alert tonight. The Better Business Bureau is warning residents and students and their parents to be aware of college scholarship scams.
2: Eyewitness News consumer reporter Susan Campbell joins us now with the details. Susan.
1: Mike and Caroline, coming up with college tuition is stressful and scammers know it. So they prey on that emotion and make lots of promises about free money. You got into college, now you have to figure out how to pay for it. You can often go right through your high school and they'll help guide you through the different applications for grants, uh, for scholarships. Uh, there's so many out there, some are smaller, $500 all the way up to thousands of dollars. But the Better Business Bureau's Paul Fleming says there are scammers who want to take advantage of students and their parents. The scams often start with unsolicited emails, calls, or social media posts. And they ask for money to apply for a scholarship. And it could be a small amount, $50, It could that are send promise you that you're going to get this funding towards your college. And it's actually a scam. Not only are you providing financial information, but you're actually paying them to do nothing. The Federal Trade Commission says there are dead giveaways. So watch out for these phrases. The scholarship is guaranteed or your money back. You've been selected by a national foundation to receive a scholarship. We do all the work. You just pay a processing fee, and the scholarship will cost some money. The FTC says there are legitimate companies and services that can help connect students and scholarships. THE AGENCY SAYS THE LEGITIMATE ONES WILL NEVER GUARANTEE SCHOLARSHIPS OR GRANTS. THE MOST IMPORTANT THING FOR EVERY STUDENT TO DO, FILL OUT THE FAFSA, THE FREE APPLICATION FOR FEDERAL STUDENT AID. IT DETERMINES ELIGIBILITY FOR FEDERAL PROGRAMS AND MANY COLLEGES AND UNIVERSITIES USE IT FOR NON-NEED BASED AWARDS. THAT WORD FREE IS KEY. SEVERAL WEBSITES OFFER HELP FILING THE FAFSA FORM FOR A COST but they're not endorsed by the US Department of Education and there's absolutely no reason to waste your money on a free application. So Susan, how can students look for legitimate Scholarships and applications. There are a lot of options. The best place to start, your high school, the college or university where you're planning to go, that's a good place for um, information. Then turn to local organizations. Many of those places offer scholarships. You can even check in with your employer or your parents' employer. Sometimes they have scholarship opportunities that you might be able to take advantage of.
2: Many of them are very generous. Absolutely. Great advice. All right. Thank you, Susan.
0: Okay, so uh, that gave you a little bit about what's going on. And, you know, with the uh, world of scams that we live in, why not college people, right? So there was an article in the Wall Street Journal. It was the January 6, 2020 edition of, or article of the Wall Street Journal. And uh, here's what they had to say. Free money for college can sound enticing. But students need to be wary of offers that are too good to be true. The Federal Trade Commission received 725 consumer complaints in 2018 related to scholarships and educational grants. This was down a little from 770 complaints in 2017 and 972 in 2016, a somewhat encouraging sign. A good portion of this drop-off could be attributed to various campaigns to raise public awareness about scholarship scams as well as the scholarship, uh, College Scholarship Fraud Prevention Act of 2000, which increased penalties for perpetrators. <clears throat> Keep in mind, though, that these figures reflect only what consumers report to the regulator, so the actual number of fraudulent incidents Incidents could be higher. And even if scholarship scams aren't as prevalent as they once were, they continue to ensnare some students, says Robert C. Ballard, president and chief executive of Scholarship America, a nonprofit scholarship provider. It only takes a few to make it worthwhile to, for the scammers. As long as there are people who are biting, it's going to continue, says Mr. Ballard, who also serves on the board of the National Scholarship Providers Association. Now, here are a few ways students can recognize and avoid scholarships fraud. Never pay for scholarship opportunities. Students should never pay a fee to submit a scholarship application or to be entered into a potential recipient pool. This is a red flag. Industry participants say they should also avoid opportunities that tout a money back guarantee. If they are asking you to pay for free money, it's a scam, says Shane Cole, a scholarship and college counselor at Addison Trail High School in Addison, Illinois. Mr. Cole advises students to begin their search for scholarships using resources provided by their high school since these opportunities are typically vetted. He also recommends that students search the website of the college or university they are planning to attend. In addition, they can investigate departmental specific opportunities, major specific opportunities, and other local scholarship opportunities. And instead of simply doing a Google search for scholarships, it's better to make use of free comprehensive national search engines, says Mr. Cole, who also is the Community Development Director at My College Planning Team, which helps families navigate the college admissions and financial aid process. Mr. Ballard recommends that students pick three to, or three to five of these free search engines to start because using too many can get overwhelming. If the engines they choose are matching them with viable opportunities, stick with them, he says. If not, pick a different free search tool since there are plenty of options. Students shouldn't pay for basic scholarship search functions, though some engines may offer certain premium services, such as feedback on scholarship essays or advice on financial aid that might be beneficial. Be aware that some scholarship sites may sell student data, so if the thought of receiving unwanted solicitations from college-related third parties is bothersome, check each individual site's privacy policies to see if there is an opt-out option number two be wary of unsolicited offers some scammers target students through phone or email in an attempt to obtain personal and sometimes financial information students should uh, view such unsolicited offers as another red flag and avoid clicking on links or giving any information about themselves to unverified scholarship providers Scammers could be trying to steal personal data to sell to third parties or financial data for identity theft and asset theft purposes. If there is any doubt, students should ask their guidance counselors to help in determining an organization's legitimacy. I don't care what the email address says. It's important to try to verify the organization before giving any information the Director of College and Career Placement at KIPP New Jersey, which is part of a national network of charter schools. Some scammers attempt to make themselves sound legitimate by asking students for college-related information, like their SAT scores or grade point averages. These are generally a lead-in to make the students feel comfortable and to trick them into giving personal information. Students who receive a check and a congratulatory note in the mail for a scholarship they haven't applied for should rip up the check and file a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission Scholarship America recommends. Legitimate scholarship providers don't distribute monies randomly to students, and it's likely the check will bounce, or the student might be asked to send funds back for processing or for an accidental overpayment, Scholarship America warns on its website. Avoid um, giving personal information. Reputable scholarship providers generally require basic information, such as your name, year in school, and email address, but students should never give personal or financial data, such as their social security number, driver's license number, banking information, or credit card number. If a provider asks for anything along those lines, don't respond, Mr. Ballard says. This could be a way for scammers to steal your identity and your assets. All of the financial information that scholarships use to determine eligibility comes from the Free Application for Federal Student Aid (coughs) or FAFSA, F-A-F-S-A. If a provider asks for something else, students should always ask their high school counselor before responding to make Sure, it's a legitimate request. Now, number four, beware of pressure tactics. Legitimate scholarships have deadlines, but if a provider is pressuring a student in any way, it could be a sign of a scam. Providers that make guarantees or unrealistic promises about a student's ability to receive a scholarship should also be avoided, industry participants say. All right. And then, anytime you see the word guarantee, it's a huge red flag because nothing is guaranteed. So, let's go on to five quick tips to avoid scholarship scams. This was on a video posted by FAFSA Made Easy. Let's take a listen. Five quick tips to avoid scholarship
1: scams. Tip number one, students should never provide their social security number or bank account information when applying for a scholarship. Tip number two, research the scholarship provider and look for past winners on their website that demonstrate the award's history of legitimacy. Tip number three, avoid working with private companies you pay to assist with scholarship services. Use free online scholarship searches instead. Tip number four. Rely on resources from the Department of Education for information about federal financial aid. Tip number five, consider searching for local scholarship opportunities at your high school, parents employer, or other organizations your family is a part of. For more tips to help you make college
0: a success, visit www.aie.org. Okay. And now let's go to where to find scholarships posted by Makati scholars. So let's take a listen.
3: What's up scholars. I am back with a new video and I am so excited. Now, if this is your first time on my channel, My name is Alana McCaddy. People refer to me as a scholarship expert, scholarship guru, financial literacy expert, and the list goes on. So one of the main reasons I happily claim those particular titles is because I was able to earn over $100,000 in merit and outside scholarships to fund my education at a very expensive private university. So basically I kicked student debt and stress to the curb because No one has time for that. So after I published my first video, you guys flooded my inbox with so many great, great questions. But the question that I saw continuously was, where do I find scholarships? Here's the thing, scholarships are everywhere. You can find scholarships in the library, on bulletins, in books, online. But today I'm gonna to make your life a little easier and simplify your search just a bit. So today I'm going to cover four different resources that you guys can tap into uh, in order to find numerous scholarship opportunities. The first resource is capex.com. Capex is a free scholarship and college search website. They provide all of the resources you need to learn about colleges, different majors, and of course, scholarships. In order to be eligible for the scholarships on CAPEX, you'll want to create a free CAPEX profile where the site will ask you a series of questions pertaining to your interests, hobbies, extracurricular activities, and so forth. Now, it may take you some time to fill out your personal profile, but providing as much detailed information as possible will definitely work in your favor. And you're probably wondering why, and that's because it will match you with personalized scholarship results that actually align with your interests, which will definitely increase your chances of winning scholarships. The next scholarship resource, Peterson's Scholarship Grants and Prizes. So from cover to cover, this book lists scholarships based on literally anything that you can think of. Military service, career interest, employment talent, you name it, it's in this book. I currently have the earlier version, I have the 2016 version. Uh, The reason I love Peterson's is because they update their scholarship database every single year. So right now the 2018 version is out and I believe that the 2019 version will be dropping very, very soon. So please be sure to get this book every single year. It is a great investment and it's super resourceful. Now the third resource is Scholarly. It's a super convenient scholarship resource because well, it's an app. For unlimited access to their robust scholarship database, you will have to pay $2.99 a month, but it's well worth the investment. So similar to CapEx, you will be asked to create a student profile. Then, the app will generate a list of scholarships that match your needs and qualifications. Now, you can also access other resources on the app, such as sample scholarship essays, for free. So the fourth resource is for my international students.
0: Okay, so we don't have to listen to that because that is for international students. So again, to recap, CAPEX is spelled C-A-P-P-E-X.com. And then that's the first source, CAPEX, again, spelled C-A-P-P-E-X.com. Then you have Peterson Scholarship Grants and Prizes book, and you want the most up-to-date one on that. And then the third was Scholly, and that's an app. It's spelled S-C-H-O-L-L-Y. So those are the three sources that you can look in for legitimate scholarships so while we're on the subject of scams let's go to theo joe's seven new internet scams to watch out for in 2020 and we may not be able to fit all of this in but we will do our best so let's take a listen
2: Every year it seems scammers get more and more clever with new techniques designed to steal from us, and the best thing you can do to fight them is to learn their ways so you can spot the scams from a mile away. So that's what we're going to go over today, I've got about 7 scam techniques that are either brand new or have become more prevalent leading into 2020, most of which are internet and phone based, and how you can also defend against each one of these. Before we jump in, it is essential that I do my shameless plugs of course. If you haven't seen my incredible Instagram account, you're Really missing out. It has the most amazing tech memes you could possibly imagine, so be sure to check that out. It's just TheoJoe over on Instagram if you want to collapse from laughing so hard. Also, if you want to support my work and get some cool perks too, consider becoming a channel member by clicking the join button. With the main level, you'll get my videos early as soon as I finish them, and a badge to show off in the comments, and a special member rank in my Discord server, which if you didn't know about, can be joined by going to discord.gg theojo so I definitely hope to see you over there. Or if you just want to help out a little bit, there's a lower tier, but that will still get you a badge for the comments. And with all that out of the way, let's get started. So the first one you need to watch out for is a pretty clever email based scam. With this, the scammer will basically impersonate some high level manager or executive at your company. They might do this by either spoofing the email address, Or use the person's actual email account to send it out if they manage to break in with a stolen password. Then for the scam they will email multiple people at the company below them telling them that they need to go buy gift cards usually saying it will be a gift for other employees on your team or whatever and the scammer might tell the victim to put it on a company credit card or just buy it themselves and they'll be reimbursed and also tell the victim to then send the gift card codes to them. Then once the scammer gets the gift card codes they'll just disappear. This scam has been reported by several people on Reddit who have either fallen for it or come close to, and it's probably going to be more common around holidays, when the whole lie about needing the gift cards for gifts makes more sense. This scam may also be tougher to detect because it can be more personalized, but now that you know about it, you can easily defend against it by simply calling the person who supposedly needs these gift cards, and actually speak to them to confirm it, or go talk to them in person. Okay, the next scam is a variation of a phishing scam, which has become a lot more popular. And the idea is a scammer will send out a ton of fake shipping confirmation emails pretending to be Target, Amazon, or some other online store, and then give you some kind of login link to track your order, but then it takes you to a phishing site designed to look like the real site, requiring you to log in, and then it just steals your credentials. There are a lot of possible variations to this, for example, the scammer might say something like, there's a problem with your order, log in here to fix it, or whatever. They may even be able to personalize it by using information from previous data breaches to actually include your real name in the email to make it seem more legitimate. This is another one that will be more common during the holiday months, where people make lots of orders online, so if the scam email happens to arrive soon after you actually order something, you might not think twice and then fall for it. Now there are a few ways to defend against this scam. First, be highly suspicious of any shipping confirmations or purchase related emails if you didn't actually make any orders. Next, remember that usually stores will include the names of the products you order in their email, not always, but usually. So if the email is overly generic, don't click any links and just go to the site directly yourself to check any order status. Okay, up to number three, this is another email based scam having to do with online stores, but it's not a phishing scam. This particular scam technique occurs when a scammer has already gotten access to one of your online shopping accounts. They may have done this in any number of ways, whether it was a previous phishing attempt or a stolen password database or something, but that's not the point here. The trick is that the scammer will place an order to buy a bunch of crap to themselves using your online store account, using saved payment details, and then hide the fact that they did this by signing you up for a ton of spam emails which hides the order confirmation email. Because normally if they order something with your account, you would just see an email and become suspicious if you didn't order anything, and hopefully check it out. So they sign you up for a ton of spam to bury this order confirmation email, hoping you don't see it. One example from someone on Reddit who spotted this scam, gave the example that they got a ton of spam from government newsletters, all from the govdelivery.com domain. Fortunately, they spotted the order email and was able to cancel it. So the way to defend against this scam is become very suspicious if you all of a sudden start getting a ton more spam than usual, especially if it's from one source, and then actually go through all the emails making sure nothing is hidden in there. Because remember, this is a technique scammers may use if they've already got you somehow. Alright, up next is a really devious one, where ironically, scammers initially call a victim pretending to be government officials warning them that their identity is stolen. In one specific example, scammers called someone and said they were from the Social Security Administration telling the victim that their social security number was stolen and used to rent a car. They then scared the victim by saying that the rented car was found with a bunch of illegal drugs inside and they needed to comply with the investigation or face prosecution. They even had someone pretending to be a border patrol agent saying that supposedly the rented car was found near the border and was used for smuggling or all sorts of scare tactics. Eventually, you guessed it, They convinced the victim to buy thousands of dollars worth of Google Play gift cards, which scammers these days love. Now it might not always be this obvious. For example, the scammer might demand a wire transfer saying your bank account was compromised, or that there's stolen money in your account, or God knows what reason. And the primary way to defend against this scam is to know that the government is not going to call you to tell you your identity is stolen and definitely won't threaten you with prosecution by phone. And obviously, for God's sake, the government is not going to ever ask you to buy freaking gift cards. Seriously, I feel bad for the guy who lost a bunch of money to this scam. And I guess he was under heavy pressure, but he's still a moron for falling for it. Just always be suspicious, especially when gift cards are involved, and you'll be fine. Okay, the next scam is actually really sophisticated, and one that even the most tech-savvy of you might still fall for. This one takes advantage of a feature of all those virtual assistants these days, like Amazon Echo, Google Assistant, Siri, and all those. You see, when someone asks AI assistants to call a certain business, they will often use search engines to look up the top result for that business for the customer support number to use. Then they'll just give you that number it finds, or just call it depending on what you asked it to do. But here's the really tricky part. Turns out, scammers have started setting up fake customer service phone numbers, then pay to promote these numbers with ads or other sketchy tactics so they end up near the top of the results. And even though I'm not 100% sure how this works, it seems like the AI assistants apparently can't tell the difference between an ad and an actual search result. But regardless, the way the scam works, is the virtual assistant will call the fake customer support number instead of the real one, then the fake representative will try to get you to do all sorts of stuff. Depending on the company you think you're calling, they may instruct you to install malware, or have you log on to a fake website and steal your info, anything really. And the worst part about all this is most people will assume they're safe because they called the company. It's not like they received some suspicious call without realizing the number they called isn't real. So the way to defend against this, I would say, is just don't use virtual assistants to auto-dial for you. Always do a search yourself, and make sure the number comes from the official company's website, and never call a phone number that is listed in an ad in search results. Alright, we still got a couple more scams to go over. This next one really sucks because...
0: Okay, so if you want to hear more of that... Um, that is seven new internet scams to watch out for in 2020. We sort of ran out of time here. Um, so that is posted by Theo Joe on YouTube. Uh, I guess he had two more to get to. So if you're interested in those again, seven new internet scams to watch out for in 2020 posted by Theo Joe all right so we're coming to the end of our show and wow that's a lot of information huh but i hope uh, that'll save some college kids and any kids going into college some grief and uh, perhaps it will help them uh you know with their financial aid burdens so we are on facebook at consumer review report all the recalls have been posted there and uh, if you have any products or services you'd like to talk about or hear on the show, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook at ConsumerReviewReport Report, and on Twitter at CRR in the Key Sport. So this is the Consumer Review Report on WMCK.fm, heard on Sundays at 4 p.m., Tuesdays at 12 p.m., and Thursdays at 9 a.m. I'm Diane Rebecca wishing everyone a safe and good week.